Hello and welcome to Box Cutters, episode 174. My name is Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. To my left. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird already, isn't it? It's already gone weird. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And uh, straight across the desk from me, special guest co-host... She's uh, an award-winning film and TV producer and presenter, Josie Pirelli. How are you? I'm doing the peace sign a la Jason Coleman. Especially to the for side. the... Uh, Especially the for the video podcast there. For the video podcast to the viewers who are hearing us, not seeing us. You, nice one, You're Brett. just always aware of the camera, aren't you, Josie? Always, at a moment's notice. We'll point out that Josie is, of course, tonight playing the role of Josh Canal. Josh Canal still overseas. I'm, I'm just about as hairy as Josh Canal, absolutely. Similar hair, actually. Similar hair all over the body. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we represent the ape population. And... Uh, that uh, that camera behind you, because we have a multi-camera set up here in the yes. studio, so uh, given that you've got the low-cut top, um, yeah. you'll be able to see the hair on the back. <laughs> in the, in right. the HD hologram, that, we can uh, beam into your room. To right. that view, and uh, of course, as we do every week, we've got the very special invited studio audience who won't make any noise, just like on Sunday night. <laughs> But if you turn on to Box Cutters 2 immediately afterwards, you can watch a discussion. <laughs> oh, it's going to be question time. Yeah. Excellent. Um, on the program this week, uh, we've got a special uh, guest in, as well as our guest co-host. Um, he's got a comedy festival show coming up. It's Rod Quantock, who uh, has been it's, uh, decades ago he started on Australian TV screens um, we are reviewing a show from the AMC out of the States uh, is that the American Movie Channel uh, it, it was actually think. yes um, it's a it's a show that's actually on Showtime uh, Showcase here I believe on the cable um, but I don't think anybody in this studio at the moment has cable uh, it's called Breaking Bad and uh, it's uh, Came recommended by Wilbur Wilde last week. Did come recommended and delivered by Wilbur Wilde. <laughs> and, uh, Downloaded by Wilbur Wilde. Downloaded. Wild. No, donated by Wilbur Wilde. <laughs> For review purposes. Absolutely. Uh, Queen Josie Pirelli herself is uh, going to bring us some special dance. So you think chatter? you can dance, 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 dance. Is it, is it uh, dance or uh, is it a general reality kind of thing? I think it's all reality. I haven't got into it this year. Oh. I haven't got into it this year. I don't know. They're just doing my head in. It's just not happening for me, love. We'll also have some pork. Uh, but as always, we kick things off with the Box Cutters News. Starting with the most depressing news first, uh, as is traditional. Uh, Natasha Richardson has died. Um, Natasha Richardson, I mean, she's more uh, a film actor. She was uh, famously in The Handmaid's Tale and The Comfort of Strangers. Excellent actor. But she was also part of the Richardson-Redgrave dynasty, one might say. Um, The daughter of Tony Richardson and Vanessa Redgrave, the granddaughter of Sir Michael Redgrave. Um, She's the sister of Jolie Richardson, who appears currently in Nip Tuck, I believe. Uh, niece of Lynn Grove, Gro- 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 oh, the whole the and whole life lot of are there. 
uh, wife well, Liam, Neeson. Liam Neeson of Liam Neeson and um, mother of two boys for, for television of course she was in the BBC series uh, Oxford Blues The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes uh, a lot of BBC adaptations Ibsen's Ghosts uh, Suddenly Last Summer um, Zelda Fitzgerald in the TV movie Zelda but basically she, she's been around a lot in various TV and film things an excellent actor and a very very strange death she was skiing in Quebec um, had a minor injury didn't need an ambulance and uh, well, a day or so later basically died from a, um, a brain hemorrhage. It was part of a uh, beginner's ski class and uh, yeah, she obviously had a concussion and then yeah, probably a brain bleed as happens uh, with that. In fact, uh, an ambulance turned up and then was and sent away. And she was, was sent, sent away. away. Yeah. That's right because when I was reading that story, you know, it's like anything. I mean, anyone who's done those things, you know, she took a tumble, she's... Put the hands up. She had a bit of a laugh. Going, no, look, I'm fine. Yeah, obviously thought she was perfectly fine. fine. To walk away. Gone back to the hotel room, and that's when it all started. And very, very sad. I mean, her and Liam Neeson. They've known each other for 25 years. Been married for 15. And this is I just saw her in the paper today. I mean, it's a really tragic thing for him. And you know, anyone that leaves, um, you know, when children lose a mother, it's a very sad thing. So she's left behind two young boys. I think one is about 13. One is 12. So it's very sad. And she was only 45. So Very young. Yes, that was Wednesday she, past. She'd very much uh, flown underneath my radar. I, I didn't recognise her when I saw a picture of her. Well, as um, yeah, John was saying, you know, very well known. Um, she's done a lot of film and very well respected in the, the theatre co- community. Yeah. So she was just about to do, I think, a little night music with her mother because they just did it in West End and they were about to do it on Broadway. So It mentioned here too that theatre lights were dimmed on Broadway and in London's West End. It's marked respect to her in the days before her funeral. So and, yeah, and I think she wanted which to... Which took t- place on the yeah, 22nd. Yeah. Yeah, and she'd want a Tony for Cabaret, the so stage performance. She will so be missed. She will be. I can't uh, come up with any segues to any of the no, news items no, I've got like out it. of that. So uh, let's Start do a reboot stuff. and uh, cheer us up. Channel 7's uh, latest product, the TiVo. Uh, they are the the organisation behind it uh, as it's released here in Australia. Um, it's actually being distributed by a company called Hybrid Television Services has been in the news a couple of times uh, this week. Um, firstly, and and I think I did uh, did predict this happening that um, when it was first released, it was a little bit of a crippled unit and it didn't have some of the features that are standard on the US. Uh, boxes um, such as the networking capabilities. You'd be and needing they a, a Freeview branded box for that, wouldn't you? And they did say... they can do everything, Freeview branded boxes. Uh, well, not yet. They're not out yet. Um, they did say at the time that uh, it would be released and it would be available for uh, tens of dollars. So they were fairly non-specific about it. I said at the time, what, 20, 40 tens of dollars? As it turns out, it's... Uh, Twenty tens of dollars, two hundred dollars to upgrade uh, your TiVo box for uh, networking. There, uh, the users are outraged and they're demanding refunds. And uh, there is talk about um, getting investigations into a breach of fair trading laws, uh, given that they haven't been completely open about what they were going to do, and you know, obviously, get people to spend seven hundred dollars on a unit with uh, the the undertaking that uh, it'll be a cheap upgrade and then... Uh, Is this still... An, if you, if I go on and buy a TiVo now, do I still have to then get the upgrade? Are they all... Um, they're all dodgy? Yeah, I think so, yeah. 
Yeah. Mm. Uh, nice. In response, uh, they in response to the outcry, they did uh, temporarily cut the upgrade pack price to $99. It's uh, still a little bit overpriced for what it is, uh, but it will be going back up to $200 uh, or $199 from April 1. Uh, so if you're in that boat, then you need to uh, get that, I guess, downloaded. Who knows? It's mm, a mystery. I'm, I'm not sure how it, how it actually happens. Um, but uh, the... Organisations in the various states, such as the New South Wales Office of Fair Trading, are saying that, uh, yes, it is something that that they would look into, but they actually need people to uh, lodge complaints with them. Uh, So I'd imagine there'd be similar things in all the other states. Um, Now, also out of that... Uh, The distributor, Hybrid Television Services, um, are now offering... So, so people can can go and buy a TiVo unit for seven ninety nine, or six ninety nine in Harvey Normans and JBs and stuff. Uh, they're op- they're offering a subscription option, uh, including not uh, having no upfront charge at all, and having a monthly charge between seventy nine and ninety nine dollars per month uh, for twenty four months. So over that time, you're actually Buying the unit for twenty four hundred dollars. Well, that's similar. Um, but it's got uh, numbers in it. It's it's kind of a no deposit type dealy. You you spend more in the end, uh, but you don't have to have seven hundred bucks right now. Well, if you're a millionaire, you could get one immediately. Tell us about millionaires. Ah, oh. look, I'm king of the Segway now. <laughs> yeah, it's not just you, the Cropley. Segway. He's um, so good with a segue. I thought oh, I might yeah, actually get we to know get a, that. Have, have a breath. But, no, uh, no. Brett, obviously, segue I've got all properly. the news. The Nine Network uh, has announced that production has commenced on a revitalized version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire called Millionaire Hot Seats or Millionaire Hot Seats. <laughs> millionaire! <laughs> because, Why are uh, we wasting our time with another revamped version? Well, Andy of Maguire, crime. he's still on contract to Channel 9. He's been he, sitting around on his millions of dollars per millions of dollars per year do uh, doing absolutely nothing. He will be hosting it. So um, doing nothing? And Channel 9 are hoping to capitalise on the renewed interest in the, uh, the, the show millionaire. concept. Uh, it is so weird, though. Yeah, show stops the being popular. Movie Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah. So the, the show wasn't popular anymore. Then a film comes along which kind of plays on it, which makes it suddenly popular then, enough to do the show again. Which you know, and thus well, it's nature. Not, it's not the same show, itself. though. It is a new format, um, and it is said to be fast. You can't polish a turd. That's what I'm saying. It was, <laughs> but you can roll it in glitter, as the so old joke goes. Yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> so, and I, and I, think, <laughs> I, I think that's what we're doing here. I think so. I think we're it's rolling been our turd in glitter. It's, and it's just a yes. Well, we could, you know, dedicate a whole other show to Eddie Maguire and Millionaire. But however, um, now off turd the, in glitter off the back of uh, plans to go into production for that, so the network has put out a call for contestants, which actually closes hopefully. Uh, well, this is a special for the Granola Kids. Um, that call for contestants closes at eleven fifty nine p.m. Uh, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Tomorrow, which is Tuesday, March 24. You've got a better chance of winning a couple of hundred dollars on deal or no deal. And you don't have to put up with, we'll be back. Come on, Josie. After the break. I I think maybe it should. I like to call into those word finders after 2 a.m. They're the ones I like to call (laughs) up and. 
<laughs> it's box, isn't it? It's box. It's box. Speaking of Channel 9, though, and the oh, glitter, yes. what, what have you got there, Joseph? Oh, look at that. Just a very good segue there, John, with a sexy beard. I, I'm, I'm, I, I think sexy. I'm doing well with the segue tonight. No, if you talk terrible. about it, then it doesn't really work as well. <laughs> So, we've, we've been seamless, scoring them as we go. go. Stop and go back. <laughs> Stop and go back. Are you new here, Brett? Don't worry. I still haven't forgiven you for coming late. Okay. The Nine Network has finally confirmed plans for its multi-channeling with a general entertainment free-to-air digital channel launching in the second half of the year. The CEO, Mr. Gindle, told the Australian, yes, it will be an original channel. It will be standalone and not just time-shifted. You want to be very careful of what sort of content you put on a digital channel. So there you go. There you have it. So basically, What does he mean? So what's he mean? Like, oh, sire. Sh- surely uh, he says you surely Channel 9's main channel uh, would have their best programming. So wouldn't it make sense to uh, put on the same programming a couple of hours later for those like that Like they are, do on 7 are, HD and stuff like that. Well, well, stuck waiting for their train to get home. Have you seen what's on 7 HD? I saw one night. This no, is, nobody has. This is, <laughs> it's a mystery. This is, what is... This is your laugh, which was hosted by Andrew. Oh, yeah, Andrew O'Keefe. So every time I think about HD and digital channels, I think about this show that was buried at midnight, and it's This Is Your Laugh. And some comedian, I think that night they had on, um, what's he called? Um, oh, anyway, whoever. Very interesting person. And they had, instead of, you know, This Is Your Life with a book, This Is Your Laugh had other comedians doing improvisation on certain elements of that person's life. Wow, that what sounds a shame. great. That didn't make Channel 7 prime time. But it's kind interesting. Of like lame theatre spots. But Channel 10. Oh, it was a lame duck which, that needed to be shot. It That's just goes to a level and goes down. So this is what could be happening here. But Channel 10's launched, uh, it's one, isn't it? Is, the, is the, their digital channel now? They've, they've Which is number one on the uh, digital numbers of channels. Okay, and they've got, it's sport related. So Channel 9's basically No, no, going, it's sport. It's a sport, so it's all sport. Whereas Channel 9's all gone, ours will be entertainment. So it'll be different to their main channel then. But it, it just seems like they haven't gone any, any further than that. They've just said, it's entertainment. Well, and it says, uh, it'll be entertainment well, that hasn't shown the, on their main channel. No, it says the announcement shoots rumours of a time shifted channel dead in the water. Yeah, grumpy. Well, yeah, Gidjo indicated that while it could work as part of the strategy, time shifting was not strong enough basis for an entire channel. Clearly, that's because it cannibalises your flagship channel. Why watch C- CSI at 8.30 when you can watch it at 10.30? That's his comment. But I wonder all. what they'll be playing then instead. Probably just, you know... Who knows? Videos of kittens. You know what well, would be they fantastic? Well, they already play CSI 30,000 times in the day, plus the repeats, plus the Miami version and New York and Las Vegas versions. I think what would really fly would be if they showed exactly what they program uh, for Channel 9 at exactly the program time. That would be great. <laughs> that's Imagine the digital the channel for That's a bold new experiment for Channel 9, actually. That would, well, that would go with half the channels. Have you seen Channel 10's programming lately? Which is my segue, which <laughs> which they never start on time either, you know. By the time and well, the, they all, the commercials are just playing games with each other. And, so and so you know the always uh, the news and the current affairs shows finish on time. Um, but Funny when, that. But when channel ten, when channel seven has home and away running five to ten minutes overtime, it's only one show that they've that they've gone in. So so that is where they've channel lost that time. Channel 10 has their whole program That's that goes ridiculous. that way. Because what Channel 10's doing now, you'll go to commercial break 
and they repeat what they just played after the commercial break just to lead you back, just in case you may have missed what they had just shown 30 seconds ago. Well, that's the strategy of uh, reality TV and especially uh, It's getting worse, loser. though. It's, it's getting worse. Like, uh, The Biggest Loser, now it's gone from, you know, watching these people go through their journey of losing weight to strategies, nastiness, being bullies and things like that. So it's lost what it, you know, was fundamentally there for. And you've got some like AJ hosting it and enough said. Now, while we're on uh, the subject of Channel 10, they've uh, let their contract, their long-standing contract, uh, for the ARIA Award telecast to lapse. Well, this is an interesting thing. We were talking about this off air for the two seconds that we had. And this is off the back <laughs> of uh, Cam West being in some financial trouble. And yeah. uh, so, so that means that they're not paying uh, the rights to screen it. And also, apparently, they, they spend a million dollars in production costs. Well, Rovid Enterprises has been doing it for the past few years. Because remember, the Arias sort of became a little long in the tooth and just got buried. And no one was watching it. And then Rove took it over with Rovid Enterprises. I think they've been doing it for about four or five years. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, once, if that's gone, maybe Rovid Enterprises no longer have that contract. So it might be like the MTV Awards and that they just get buried on Foxtel. And they just import people to host it. Speaking of MTV, as John makes, which is on cable, which is on cable, although it doesn't show any music anymore. This is is my point. We mentioned last week MTV no longer is music television. AMC was actually it turns out American movie classics and the channel we're going to talk about Breaking Bad from Mm -hmm. they no longer play in the American movie classics. And the new channel in America that's doing is the Sci Fi Channel now SCI space FI Channel Mm -hmm. Science Fiction is generally there. That's their thing. They're changing their name to the Sci-Fi Channel. That's S-Y-F-Y, all one word. The Sci-Fi Channel. Sifi. The Sifi Channel because um, one of the founders has said... Haven't, haven't we got the Sifi ticketing system coming in here? That's the Mickey ticketing system. Ah. The name Sci-Fi has been associated with geeks and dysfunctional antisocial boys in their basements with video games and stuff like that, says uh, Barry Diller, one of the founders as opposed to the general public and the female audience in particular. So basically, what they're saying is we don't like the audience we've got, and we'd like an audience that will never watch us. We're changing our name. It's the sci-fi channel. They've got a demographic. That's what they are there to do. So there's been a lot of Anybody that doesn't like sci-fi watches the other channel. Apparently, um, they play a lot of wrestling. On the sci-fi channel, it turns out. What's happening with these Foxtel channels? It's like Arena no longer plays... um, Well, this is in the States, I'm assuming, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but a lot of... This is the States, but Australia's just getting just as bad. Their channels aren't even playing what they're going to All those specific channels are are kind of just blanding out. And so everyone's losing. It's happening over here too, Brett. It's happening over here. Actually, while we're on sci-fi, Brett, can I just quickly, like a few bits and pieces, just throw at you. Harlan Ellison, um, uh, he's, he's famous for being a crazy, crazy science fiction author. He's, okay. he's suing CBS Paramount over, um, claim, he claims his compensation he's owed from writing a Star Trek teleplay, The City on the Edge of Forever, um, in the 1960s. Um, he's seeking $1 plus court costs to prove a principle. So... If you okay. Know, if Did it ever get produced? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, okay. he claims his merchandising and all sorts of stuff he, he's owed, so he wants that $1. So if you know Helen Ellison, send it to him. Um, the world <laughs> premiere of the J.J. Abrahams version of Star Trek is going to happen at the Sydney Opera House. Which is another uh, reboot. At the Opera House? What? Uh, in Sydney? In Sydney. What? It's, it's, for it's an American production, Yeah, it? the world premiere of this film, which um, contains many Americans and, and English-type peeps. Uh, oh, Winona Ryder, is it? Simon Pegg. Um, Leonard Nimoy's got a cameo. 
Mm-hmm. Bless him. It's, <laughs> He's it, still around. <laughs> it's going to open in Zot Australia me. on May 7th at the Opera House. Um, we're honoured to have J.J. Abrahams in the cast here in Sydney for the world premiere of the stunning new S- S- uh, Star Trek, said Mike Selwyn, Managing Director of Paramount Pictures Australia. I guess I'll have to install a screen down there, up there. No, they'll, they'll, they'll just, yeah, they'll bring yeah. a sheet. Sheet and a little video projector, that should well, be they, fine. They could project it onto the sails of the Opera House. This would be like, like an IMAX effect. <laughs> Everybody's outside. Everybody in the city could watch it. Uh, but casting news Have a special m- FM uh, frequency that you tuned into. It's like oh, the driver. Like the driver, that's yeah. lovely. Uh, casting news on the new Doctor Who specials. Jessica Hines, Nee Stevenson from Space is turning up again but playing a different role. And former Neighbours actor Peter O'Brien is going to be in it. Bless him. Peter O'Brien's in everything at the moment. He so is. John Wood. They've gone from Underbelly. Then they've gone to Rogue Nation. They've gone to everything. But has John Wood played a villain on Mars? No, he has not. He probably will within the next week or so. Do not write off John Wood. So he'll be looking at this now going, damn you, Peter O'Brien and your villainous Mars well, stuff. Well, you know, that's the thing. So I think John Wood will be next in line for um, something like this. Talking of casting stuff? Yes. Oh, yes. We still going oh, on one, And one more thing, which we've never mentioned this. There's a, a K-9 series. You have the robot dog from Doctor Who. There's, a, there's actually not, he, even a, not even a spin-off. The box it's with a, invisible wheels. It's done. a weird... Yeah, this is yeah. like a weird not spin-off because it turns out the writers still own the rights. It's actually been filmed in Queensland for the last sort of, three months and we've never got around to mentioning it. And uh, we'll be airing on Channel 10 later in the year. I can't believe you haven't so, mentioned it. I just never got around to mentioning it. I thought I'd mention it now. Um, Interesting segue. In casting news, uh, Ricky Gervais, who uh, was uh, the co-creator and star of the original UK Office as David Brent, uh, is being reported by a Scottish paper called The Daily Record to be looking to reprise that role in the uh, US adaptation of The Office. And uh, apparently he's going to come face-to-face with his American counterpart, uh, Michael Scott, played by blank on his Steve Carell. There you go. Uh, the record added that Gervais would appear in the last episode of the US version, which kind of seems... It's weird, doesn't it? They should touch sound, each other and the world explodes. It sounds a little bit like uh, they're talking about the final ever episode of the US office, which would be a real shame. And and a lot of people do poo-poo the American office, uh, American version of the office. Um, while the first few may have been uh, weaker than what uh, people were used to from the UK one, because I think the storylines were based on the same scripts and stuff, um, I think that the US office has, has actually taken it places that, that are genius. Um, and and has a lot of value. So I, I should mention, taking it places just reminded me, there is a, an American company which is bringing out a porn video based on The Office. Woohoo! And, um, and, and they've done and one based on is Scrubs. That, is that called Beautiful. The Office? The Office. I, I, I don't know, but um, I did watch the trailer online and it's actually filmed in exactly the same style and it looks like a sitcom, except apparently in the bits that aren't in the trailer, they then take their clothes off and have sex. We, Fantastic. We might mention this, well, though. Pam's seen uh, Michael Scott's bits. I, I believe that the uh, Bazira Project boys, I think, are coming on next week and I'm um, hoping Lee's going to bring his copy of some Dalek porn, so maybe we'll have a discussion about that then. Uh, the, oh, the world's gone wrong. However, the co-executive producer of the US version, Paul Lieberstein, has told E! News that uh, those reports aren't true, so I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens with all of that. Have you got anything? I, I no, not really. I was going to mention this lovely video going around of Ricky Gervais with Elmo. If you've seen that, oh, right. it's, a, it's a viral thing at the moment. I think for really? for Red Nose Day, they're very big together. They should get their own series. Oh, and okay. uh, no just quickly, ABC here in Australia. 
uh, has released a new iPhone application that uh, instantly jumped to the number nine spot on the top free apps in the iTunes App Store. With a bullet. It's an application that uh, can be downloaded for free and provides ABC content such as news, sport, entertainment stories, uh, some radio from News Radio Triple J and a few others, uh, episodes of various ABC TV shows, including Good Game, 730 Report, Media Watch and Triple J TV, um, and weather and stuff. Uh, they're also releasing it for the Android handset, which is the Google... <laughs> that's the um, phone Cylons use. That's the one. And uh, there will also be a basic Java application providing some of that uh, content for high-end handsets, such as like your Nokia slidey things. Anything with the Symbian uh, OS, basically. You're looking at me like that means something. I have no idea. Really? And that is the Boxcutters News. Hi, this is Lawrence Mooney. I've been on the telly, and if you're into televisual delights, then there's only one show you need to be listening to, and that's Boxcutters. Get your ears into it. Joining us now in the studio, a man you have undoubtedly seen over the years on, I think, literally thousands of television programs, uh, if not hundreds of thousands. He's been described as the Obi-Wan Kenobi of Australian comedy. It's Sir, now Lord, Rod Crontock. Welcome, Rod. Good evening and welcome. Thank you very much for having me. And what an introduction. I actually wanted wanted to ask you, one of of the the first TV shows that you did, which Mm. I've endlessly heard about, um, I've never seen, I don't even know if it exists, Rat Bags. Does it still... Was it real or is it some sort of hoax? Oh, no, no, it's real, but it was never... Oh, look, it's a long story of uh, international intrigue and the Murdoch family and uh, internal politics of television stations. So it was made in Sydney, shown in Brisbane, Adelaide and Perth, but never came to Melbourne. Even Hobart might have seen it, you never can tell. And then this was a kind of proto-Australia standing in it. No, 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 it was... Um, what was it a proto of? It, I don't know, really. It was quite a strange show. It, uh, I was sort of the host, but not the host, and it had sketches and interviews, and it was yeah, it's a very weird show and very hard to explain. Does it still physically exist? Are there copies of it? Um, look, a man rang me up and uh, actually mailed me a couple of copies, and I don't know where he got them from. Uh, yeah, somewhere, some production company or Channel 10, or it was Channel A then, would still have them. Write in, demand they replay it. <laughs> You're making it sound very underbelly, mm. actually, Rod. It's yeah, <laughs> some right. mysterious so, un- uh, under... Yeah, no, that, but that was 1981, and it only had one series. It fell foul of... It was at a time when um, Murdoch owned um, Channel O in Sydney and Channel O in Melbourne, and you, there was legislation coming through about how many television stations you could own, and Channel uh, O in Melbourne wanted to be the headquarters and Channel O in Sydney wanted to be the headquarters. So if Channel O in Melbourne made a program, Sydney wouldn't show it because it was obviously trash and if Sydney made it, vice versa. So it just fell foul of all of that and without uh, an airing in both capital cities, it was never going to go any further than it did. But it had John Derham in it, who was a fantastic comic actor. It had the writers from Norman Gunston, Geoffrey Atherton wrote for it, who did Mother and Son and... um, Grassroots, so it was a pretty sizable lineup. And you, you went on after that to do well. I mean, Australia Standing Up was the next sort of TV, yeah, game. which people do remember because it got shown in Melbourne. Yeah, and look, I, I was a huge fan of it when when I, well, I so I, you should have. I, been. I was, it was a bit a of a attacker. Program. I must yeah, admit. Yeah. Well, then, like, try. I keep meeting all these people who were two when it went to air, <laughs> and they tell me they're such fans of it. <laughs> Did it? It seemed at the time that it was it was a groundbreaking show what was it for australian comedy to do a it was for melbourne comedy and in a way it was the first 
It's actually the first comedy that we could identify, a sketch comedy that used women as equals. Up until then, you'd had things like... Um, Oh, look, the English programs always had a, an attractive... Like Carol Cleveland in Monty Python, mm-hmm. who never had any equity in the in the creative side of it. I think she, she probably did do a bit of writing, but she was always just there for her tits and her blonde hair. And uh, so we gave women a, a, an equal role as writers and performers in that program. And they were, they were and I mean, Sue Ingleton... Sue Ingleton, Sue Evelyn and Crape, and Mary Keneally, yeah. And it was kind of, Evelyn Crape was more a... a uh, stage actor. Was well, she not? so was Sue Ingleton, yeah. But Sue Ingleton is an extraordinary actress. She is really um, underrated. She's a remarkable actress. And Evelyn was fantastic too. Um, but they came from the pram factory and we came from the, the sort of theatre restaurant scene. So it was a, a melding of um, two unique institutions, if you like. It also seemed quite an, uh, an intellectual kind of show. Oh, yes, terribly. Show. And, and, and certainly, you know, well, I mean, yeah, the political elements and intellectual elements in a way that um, I remember a few years later when Comedy Company became huge mm. that uh, Ian McFadden gave an interview sort of saying that he, he felt that we needed to move away from that you know, inner city kind of comedy because we were from the suburbs and that's what we were all about. He was much more successful than we were. <laughs> he was probably right, but, given what they want. But do you think, because this is you know, leading to Brett, I think you, you were talking about this the other day, uh, we've talked about whether television's getting better or worse. Mm. Do, you, do you think at the time with Australia standing in it, you were able to do something that now you wouldn't be able to do? Oh, we wouldn't be. I'm not allowed on television at all. <laughs> so, no, no, that's not going to happen. Um no, I think, I mean, there are still wonderful things that are made. Um, um, Chris Silly's uh, Heroes program, is just, that's fantastic. Um, that's just wonderful, wonderful um, comedy. Um, so, no, it still gets made. Sadly, not enough of it. And the ABC, if we're going to use Ian McFadden's definition of how you speak, uh, the ABC's fucked. And it's just a tragedy, really. It's been taken over by right-wing, small-minded people. It's run by people who've never made television programs. Um, And its great claim to fame at the moment is that it brought the new inventors back, gave us a game show that's still running, and uh, put on Spicks and Specs, which is a really entertaining program, and I have nothing against it, but they're all panel programs now. Uh, The Gruen Fact is a panel program. There's nothing of substance being made at all. Um, and I think that's a great tragedy for the ABC and for the country. Although uh, hopefully uh, this week just starting is uh, Lawrence Leung. Uh, well, let's right. Well, he's wonderful, so I'm sure it'll be a great program. Yeah. But it's not enough. I mean, when we made Australia standing in it, that was all that was on at the time. But then I went on. I remember I worked on Fast Forward for the first series of that, and when that was on. The Big Gig was on. I think the Comedy Company was on. There were four or five top-rating Australian comedy shows all on every week. And uh, that's all gone. I mean, commercial television finds it too much of a risk um, and will only bet on on successes or people who've been successful. They won't take much of a risk on newcomers. Uh, and sketch comedy... I don't know. I look at some level you miss that because it, it gives a lot of people an opportunity to develop television skills as writers and performers and it just gives them the experience of what it is to do television and there's a whole generation of comedians who will not get that experience and they're all people who should be seen further afield than the local or the, the laundry or wherever they're performing for $10 a week. 
I suppose Josie is an element of Channel 31 does some of that, doesn't it? it well, that's that right. And and listening to Rod's story, um, it's good that we have the avenue like Channel 31, mm. that people can really put together from grassroots this sort of show that they'd like to see on air. And I know from my own experience of seven years, like uh, having an ethnic girl saying uh, things that some people may have found offensive, I found it You're just... Ethnic. What? What? You, you no, couldn't tell. Like you couldn't. Not that kind you couldn't. Of girl you at couldn't. All. And the best definition I was ever given was bog. Yeah, a bogan wog goddess. Bog and bogan wog goddess. And um, and that to me, you know, it's so fantastic because when I was growing up, I didn't have anyone that I could relate to on television. Everyone was the Anglo-looking. They were all six foot. You know, blonde hair and all that. So, thank the, heavens for underbelly. Thank God for underbelly. <laughs> I'm waiting for my call up, Rod. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you can get back on TV. Body maybe I number can. Number three. Maybe I can get back on TV <laughs> for maybe. that. Maybe we can because we've both been, you know, we're black band. But that's the thing. You can't really, for the sort of show that I was doing, you know, the feedback you'd get was, well, you can't cross over because, you know, you're considered too vulgar. I think I'm perfect, really. But they you don't. You have to think that. I know it. Yes. It is not a thought process. Oh, okay. I know. Right. So, but that's the benefits of community television because you can put the sort of show out, then you can push that envelope and open it. Oh, the difference, people, you know. Oh, that's the difference. Obviously, was that yeah, Rod could get paid for it, which is you know where uh, it, where no, it yeah, kind of no, yeah, look, falls down I a bit. I think. That, that I mean, Channel Thirty One has well continues to do wonderful things, but it it, it does require a, a real commitment from people. Yes, um, that's right. It and often your own money, quite a lot of your own money too. To make it tick over, but um, no, look, I mean, you know, we wouldn't have Rove McManus if it hadn't have been for Channel Thirty One. That's right. So there's a lot of success so pull stories. Your head in. Yeah, well, that's right. But it is. <laughs> that's it. Get it together. That's God's right. sake. What are you doing? Drop the ball. Now, now, one of the things that uh, that I remember from Australia standing, and, and and it's probably why it wouldn't fly today, is that it was it it was particularly socially insightful, um, and and it, it there was an educational element. To Did you the learn show, something? Especially, especially about learned your something pieces. something about chunky custard. Um, <laughs> now, look, we've re- recently uh, rewatched it because we've been trying to get the ABC to put it out on DVD, and eighty percent of it will stand up. Some yeah. of it's lost in the mist of time. Now, look, we only had one rule in that show, and we and the rule was we'd never do a send up of a television show, and the only send ups we did were of advertising, and we just I invented a thing called chunky custard as a um, unpalatable, unsaleable item, and we we threw millions of dollars at it to uh, make it appealing. That was and more uh, parroting advertising as a form, yeah, though, wasn't it? So there were, uh, there were yeah. types of of ads. Yeah, no, that's exactly week. right. So they were all those sort of sentimental, romantic ones, and uh, uh, you know the the dutiful mother supplying the family with um, the right sort of food. We even had one where we filled a spa bath with chunky custard and. I think we've got eight people in that spa bath. And, uh, Did you turn it on? Have the bubbles coming up? <laughs> no, nah, clogged. We tried. It clogged. So. I, d- I do remember one of your pieces, uh, I think from Australia Standing, in it, where you'd, you'd written that the, there was a ham sandwich in the uh, the netting above the set you that you're in. extraordinary memory. I, I, I grew up in the country and we had a video recorder and I was oh, a very uh, lonely um, child. Um, so, yes. yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, that, that is coming back to my... It was a beta recorder as well. Yeah. <gasps> lonely and That's sad. Better. Mm. I know. But, um, but I, and I remember you, the whole thing about uh, the piece was that how you'd written it in and you could write anything you wanted into a script and, and, and it would happen. Yes. And that turned out to be a salami sandwich, though. Yes, and outside yeah. the door wasn't really heaven. That's right. It was Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just—we're talking about 
uh, yeah, opportunities and, and maybe how conserv- more conservative things have become. Um, you were head writer on Greeks on the Roof, which I, I, I did is that not in my, know. Is that in my <laughs> CV? It's on your IMDb. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that never happened. Head writer, it says. No, no, is I, that did, a lie? I didn't do that, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I wasn't head writer on Greeks on the Roof. Did you Next. work on Greeks on the Roof? That, that was a, a faux pas. It's a period of my life that I don't talk about, if that's okay. It's your Alan It's the only period of my life that I don't talk about. You can talk about so any other. So scribble that out. We yeah, yeah, we'll cross that off. Off Wikipedia. I, you know, that, cross it off no, a bit. No, it's that happened, but it's my, it's my, I call it my lost year. <laughs> but the one, the one beautiful thing about Greeks on the Roof was no, that there wasn't. it did bring <laughs> Angus Sampson to the mainstream. Yeah, list. well, that's true, yeah. yeah. And uh, he was an so triple, triple R boy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, he's wonderful. And I, th- I haven't seen him. He's not doing the comedy festival, is he? Uh, no, is he I don't think he's in the country. He's, actually, he's hanging out with uh, Lee Winnell over in LA. I've uh, never heard of Lee Winnell, but I'm sure that's impressive. <laughs> to people Another uh, local lads from Glen Waverley. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Who um, <laughs> yeah, write that down. I put that on my poster. I've never heard of him, but I'm sure it's impressive. Right, Quanto. Yeah. But also, also, he was in uh, Spike Jones. <laughs> oh, was he? I know Spike Jones. Uh, where the I've Wild Things Are. I've got all these are. albums. Not the uh, cartoon. Oh, okay. Right. One. Right. Uh, but Where the Wild Things Are. And fantastic story, but the studio have kind of nixed it because they say it's a bit adult and it'll scare the kids. Well, it was well. I, I would imagine if it was animated, it would be scary. In fact, I saw the animated version of it. No, this is uh, live action. I believe. <gasps> a live action where the wild things are. Yeah, yeah. and Angus oh. is playing Max. Really? Mm. But we may never get to see it. Why is it awful? Because <laughs> because the studio says that it'll scare the kids. Oh, it'll scare the kids. Yeah. Okay, kids won't mind. Why do kids films have to kids, be the kids anyway? Write to the I studio, know. kids, and tell them to release it. Kids. Kids. Get on your face. Imagine if they made Babe 2 Pig in the City for kids. It'd be awful. Mm. No, that's right. <laughs> they made it for me to sit alone in the cinema watching. It was great. So who was Batman made for adults? Uh, the Adam Wests Batman. Oh, okay. No, 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 the, uh, the film Batman. The recent one. Yeah. Yes. You know yeah, that one? You're Knight familiar one. with that yeah. one, Brett? Kids yeah. go to that Brett, all the time. The interview's gone wrong, Brett. Quick, bring it <laughs> back. Bring it back. It's going. Where, where's it gone? Where's you it lost, gone? You lost what's right on Brett's on the roof. Anyway, so we're on, talking about film, and this is a show about television. So hang on. So across yeah. Don't get up off. yourself. That's you know right. Margaret and what's name? That's Rod's new show for next year, the Comedy Festival. Greg's on the roof, the lost year. Very good. So you'll be just covered in... Oh, look at that. Okay, so this is your list. This is your, your credits. Yes. Except we, the one that's scribbled. We've, we've, we've scribbled off On the, a show, paper. the show that shall not be yeah. named. The rest of the stuff from IMDb. Real? Not real? No, no. Own one size for- fits all. Was a, 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 That should have been a really successful ABC show. That was Linda Gibson, Denise Scott, um, Marianne Fay, uh, half a dozen women comics. I've got a bit, I, don't, I didn't know what that, that one was. I was no, not many people what saw it. The... And what they made us do was that um, because there was, again, disputes within the ABC, we had to write it here in Melbourne uh, Monday and Tuesday, pre-record some stuff on Wednesday, fly up to Sydney on Thursday morning, um, rehearse it um, Thursday afternoon and then shoot it in Sydney on Friday night and then come back to Melbourne on Friday. And we did that for 13 weeks in a row, I think. So it was just doomed from the beginning. Um, but, I, look, I watched um, the Whoopi Goldberg 
women's panel show. That the I'm, View? The View, yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched that today. And that's what One Size Fits All was, with a really strong comedy okay. bent to it. And it should have been a fantastic show, but the ABC just fucked it up. Backburner, yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked on Backburner. Denton, I did some writing for Denton's uh, Channel 7 show. Uh, lift off, yes, one of the great wastes of money in Australian television history. That was kids' TV, yeah. It was, but it was the most expensive television series it, ever it made was in amazing. Australia. It was expensive kids' dummy TV. It had with puppets no and, 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 and it had, yeah, 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 the and little the talking doll. elevator. Yeah, yeah, it had yeah, all of yep. that stuff in it. But they um, they got, I think, something like twenty eight million dollars to make that. And so I got, uh, how long have you got? I got asked into to write two one-hour episodes of the 26, 26 episodes. So I, I do that. And then they come back and say, oh, look, um, the Americans will only show it in half an hour block, so you're going to have to make it four half hours instead. And then they came back and said, look, the Iranians are not going to touch this if it's got um, women without headscarves in it. So we've, they take it back and you write in some women with headscarves. And it just went on and on. And, and then mm. it came back, oh, you know, that boy named Charlie, well, we're going to change his name to Jose and he's going to be blind, deaf, dumb and legless. Just to accommodate that, would you? So it just kept, instead of being, here's what we want to make, take it or leave it, it became, oh, you don't Trying like that bit. Everybody happy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it became a, a keep everybody happy failure. Uh, yeah, fast forward. I did fast forward, but a lot more episodes than it says here. Um, Tuesday Night Live. Oh, the big gig. Was that called Tuesday Night Live? Those shameless people at the ABC. Yeah, no, most of that's right. Just <laughs> so, leave out my royal command performance in front of the Queen Mother. So no, no, nothing else to cross off, though. We can, we can leave. Well, she was in the street and I fell over and she laughed. Um, I Still call that counts. my royal command performance. But, she was drunk. <laughs> oh, she was drunk. Absolutely. Gin Lizzie. <laughs> so, right, um, in the intervening times, uh, have you have you attempted to get projects up on TV or is it a oh, bit of a lost cause? Half-heartedly. I, I actually don't like television terribly much. <laughs> because you have to deal with TV executives and... and no, uh, it's more to do with... There's just so many people between you and the audience. Mm. And whilst you make... Oh, look, you don't make a lot of money in this country out of it anyway probably make more doing a corporate gig um but what you do uh, look the the one the the one thing i like about it is you reach a lot of people and i i was on stage in melbourne for 10 years five nights a week for 10 years and in one episode of australia standing in it more people saw me than had seen me in the the 10 previous years and i'm not that interested in people seeing me but it's nice when you can (laughs) tell people what you think Tell exactly, what and, you think and, and what it's about. I mean, if we could, if we could actually get some of that educational content where people are enjoying it and they kind of don't realise that they're being oh, taught no, anything. Oh, that's very handy. But see, we wasted. That would be a fantastic uh, use of television. Well, look, I don't want to embarrass you by asking you if you have cable, but you must know the Colbert Report, do you? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's. I mean, that's, and John that's, Stewart, which yeah, well, Colbert the Colbert came from. Report. It's just slightly better by about a hundred times. Um, oh, it's an extraordinary, yeah, <laughs> more controversy. Um, it's just a fantastic show, and it, and it, it was bred by the Bush years. And we, you know, here in this country, we had people on stage talking about politics and Howard and Bush and Iraq, and and none of that got on television. And it's mm. just it's ten. You know, well, the, the glass I house mean, possibly the, was. 
Well, the, they would, yeah, they would but consistently it, attack the Howard government and Howard but himself. But what you want is, um, I think you want more than that. I think you really want a, a whole range of um, responses to that. And you weren't, you certainly weren't getting it on commercial television. And probably Late Line is about the last bastion of critical television because it's late. Nobody watches it. So do, nobody do you think Australian it. TV is a lost cause? I mean, can we can we get it? Oh, back look, or I think um, I think the technology is going to leave it behind. And I really think if we get the broadband that they keep promising us, who would bother watching what the television tells us we've got to watch and when? Well, we may have the broadband, but uh, the net feed, clean feed uh, filter is going to slow it all down again. So um, that might be a couple of decades away in this yeah, country. Yeah, but it'll come. And it'll come. I mean, already they're struggling with revenue, and that's again one of the reasons commercial television's not doing huge amounts of local content. Um, but you know, newspapers will go that way too, and um, I look, I don't know what it's going to mean for comedy, but you hope it'll drive people back to live comedy, um, and that uh, that's probably the greatest sadness of what's happened in Melbourne over the last fifteen years or so, is that live comedy now is very hard to access. The well-known venues aren't. Well, they're there all anymore. gone unless you want to. And look, my, you know. You go to a place like the local that um, Janet McLeod uh, used to run, and it's a fantastic mm-hmm. spot. And she, it's always a great lineup, but eighty, a hundred people, um, none of them under twenty, and none of them over thirty-five. That's a reasonable size crowd for that room. They do, no, well, it is, but <laughs> yeah. it's still uh, there's five million people in Melbourne. And you're getting a hundred people a night to come and see some of our best comedians, and but equally you're not getting uh, as you used to get in Melbourne when the theatre restaurants were going. You you were getting um, sixty year olds, seventy year olds. You're getting doctors and butchers, and you. I mean, you just got the whole uh, wide variety of them. And at one stage, there were three really successful theatre restaurants all running at once, turning over perhaps between them five or six hundred people a night. I was surprised uh, and quite recently comedians. Hunchbacks has shut down. In, uh, it hasn't, Richmond. has it? It has. No. It has. Yeah, it's gone. Well, there you go. Well, Who that, bought the razor blade? Oh, that's like a depressing note. We should probably uh, <laughs> wind <laughs> Did up Did you ever interview. go to Hunchbacks? I never went there, but I lived around the corner from it. And, you know, uh, Jeremy <laughs> Cooley, who does the mm. warm-up for the, the footy show, uh, was involved down there. And, oh, okay. Yeah, massive space in there. Um, it's yeah, but there's so currently few bunchbacks left who were willing to go out at night, so <laughs> yes. it had to fail, didn't it? Yes, uh, much like uh, far too few dirty dicks wanting to get out there as well. <laughs> oh, that's right, dirty dicks. <laughs> um, oh. Rod, very quickly, give Sad. us a plug for your show. Oh, it's on in the Comedy Festival. Um, <laughs> there you go. Are you at the Get town the, hall somewhere? Or? No, no, I'm at a place called Swiss House in Flinders Lane. All right, yes, so, yeah, which is nice. a very nice venue for performers because you get a free meal every night. So Rod Quantock Eats Himself runs from April the 2nd through to the 26th. We'll put a link up. It's quite comfortable for the audience as well. Yeah. I'll sell it for you, Rod. It's on at 7 o'clock, so you, you know you'll be in bed really early. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. This is Frank Thring, gossip from heaven on the box cutters. I bumped into Ray Charles the other day. Well, he bumped into me because his dog's not dead yet. Breaking Bad is a uh, series that's from the AMC uh, network in the US. Stars Brian Cranston, who... uh, Listeners will probably know as Hal from, from Malcolm, Malcolm in the Middle, in the, middle. the father uh, in there. He's uh, he, he plays a bit of a, a 
hopeless uh, chemistry teacher, I guess, um, in uh, small town New Mexico. He has a wife. He has a son with cerebral palsy. And he discovers he has cancer. You can jump in at any time. No, no, I, I, you I, you're doing well. I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> he, he discovers he has cancer and, uh, you know, they're, they're not the most well-off family. Uh, he's working a second job at uh, a car wash and he, he basically kind of comes to a point where he's got nothing to lose and he really wants to provide for his family after he's gone and uh, goes finds himself in the situation where he has the opportunity to become a methamphetamine cook. So create ice, uh, which he is very good at being a chemist. In chemistry, mm. yes. It's funny because yeah, you describe the plot and it just sounds awful. I mean, on, on paper, <laughs> it just sounds dreadful. Um, but it is, yeah, it's a weirdly endearing, I don't know, is endearing the right word to use program? It, this is a really odd show mm-hmm. because it it constantly, you know, like when Wilbur was going, oh, this guy becomes a meth, you know, uh, dealer. Yeah, that sounds great, Wilbur. I'd really like to see that. But it's... it's. But I mean, when you... Yeah, you see the, the story behind it, because this show's doing really well in the US. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it debuted sort of mid-last year, if I'm correct. Somewhere. Early last year. Early and last uh, year. Brian Cranston took out... Uh, he won the, the Emmy. Emmy. And it, I mean, he's, he's so great. He's such an endearing character. And it's weird because everything about this show shouldn't work. You know, like he's... He's a loser who um, it's depressing yeah. and it's morally reprehensible. And yet somehow it, it comes across as quite a charming because show people, in a really weird way. Because those sort of characters always find an audience because there'll be, you know, as Michael Caine once said, even, you know, because when Parkinson interviewed him, he said some of the characters you've played, you know, they're not exactly endearing or charming or whatever. And Michael Caine says, but he looks at it on the perspective of, bad people and people that are losers and that don't see themselves in that way. So there's going to be an empathy from some oh, and, and, and an think, audience and I think this is what he's done. I think he's yeah. completely relatable as well. You yeah. look at him going, okay, these terrible things are happening to you and you want to provide for your family and you have these skills. Yeah. And mm-hmm. as a teacher, of course, he's completely undervalued. And, 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 you well, know. that's right. But even until just dramatically, um, it's, it starts off the very, very first scene in the show is basically this 70s um, camper van it's an RV. It's an RV, but you know, for, for people who don't speak American, um, a recreational vehicle. So, so it, it, yeah, it is a camper van. It's, it's a camper van, and and it's like yeah, he's driving it. Yeah, there's a big sort of chase scene going on. Um, the, the, there's people you know passed out. There's people with gas masks on. They overturn the thing, and and um, somebody in Malcolm, his underwear. Malcolm and a gas mask. gets out in his underwear with a uh, gas Walter mask. Walter White's his character now. Walter White and, and and a gun, and that's the start of the show. And I thought. Every show. And there's sirens in the background and he's pointing it towards where the sirens are. I thought if if every episode of Pack to the Rafters started with this, I would watch that show. Well, you would watch Pack to the Rafters. I really would. You just need that. Because it's amazing. It goes 12 hours earlier or whatever it is, which the Americans always, you know, it's it's traditional Uh, American. Three weeks earlier. Three weeks earlier. Three weeks earlier. One minute previously. Yeah, it's a traditional American kind of thing. That's the way that's stated format now. But it does it really, really well. And I I believe the guy, I believe his story and... And uh, there are moments, and now to try and avoid spoilers, there, there were moments, especially at the end of the first episode, I was going, I don't know how they're going to get out of this. And the way they did really surprised me. I went, okay, I didn't, I didn't see that's where this was How they were going to get out going. of where they left it before well, they jumped well, back three weeks. Yeah, because you're going, he's in a bad situation, you know, there are bad people after him, what are they going to do? And then the next episode starts off immediately where the first episode ended, and and it's quite fascinating to see, it, it follows how people make decisions, and yeah, this guy's making bad decisions and how he's getting deeper and deeper into this world of drug dealing and, and 
stuff. Though, of course, he's a really normal, everyday well, he kind of family delves, guy. And then he pulls back. He says, we'll just get this done and our paths will never cross. And and then uh, a period of time, a number well, the, of weeks the thing is, passes. But again, it's that thing in the show where, where every decision you make, of course, leads to another decision. And, yep, and, and just so on and so forth. But, you know, I think as, you know, these sort of shows, they do well because now, you know, whether these people are bad people or underdogs, people want to cheer on that underdog wanting them to do well, no matter what they've sort of done, I think. And, yeah. and, and through his kind of, kind of mindset of not having anything to lose, basically, mm-hmm. um, he becomes a much stronger person and, and does kind yep. of uh, triumph over, over the, I guess, the ruts that he's fallen into in his life where um, he's in a marriage with a, a younger woman and that's not explained in the first series. One of the the most interesting things about it is that we have the rule of three because with new shows you've got the pilot, you've got the second episode where they have to do all the exposition, so they have to bring you up to speed on on what everyone's about and all that sort of stuff. And then the third episode they can actually go with it. There's not really any exposition in this. There's there. There's a reference, there's a very fleeting reference in the first episode um, to him having been quite a, quite a scientific chemist in the past and having a, a certificate of recognition that, that for uh, working on a project that ended up winning a Nobel Prize. There's a flashback in the third episode as well that indicates he was a much more dynamic kind of character when he was younger. Is that the flashback with the uh, the board and the results? From yeah, the, yeah, so I don't know whether that's also so meant to that be seems something. That to have been uh, dissecting the... the chemical makeup of the human body and and it does get into they're, they're missing a very small percentage and and he suggests maybe that's the soul um and then it it does uh it comes back present day and uh he, he there's a birthday and um he goes to the party and and those relationships are explored present day. So there's there's still quite a bit of mystery about what exactly happened between mm. him being a successful scientist and him being a sort of washed being up school teacher. A kind of loser chemistry teacher. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting as well. But I, I find it I found the show quite fascinating because it kept making decisions I didn't think it was going to do okay. in, in a you know, storytelling kind of it's, way. it's really become that sort of American style of um, the way they present TV shows. And also some of the films they're doing lately have also got those sort of underlying tones as well. But I think the story is very un-American. It's, so, it's, it's leaving so much stuff unexplained. Um, well, at the same he's time, he's no, married to a younger woman. Uh, you know, she's, she's quite hot. But she is a domineering bitch when it comes down to it. Um, and I think that's unfair. I didn't think she was... Oh, she's very controlling. Very, no, but, very, but very, is controlling. She very controlling. And very because he's so weak and, like and a she real... has to. You know, mm-hmm. is it because she's and been forced she's in this position charge. to take charge? Because, yeah. and, you know, and obviously the son, you know, having no, a condition that's going to take bully. a lot of... I, I can't know. think which episode... I thought it was in the third episode where there was an intervention that she was running. And she was a real bully about the other people that were in, at the intervention. Um, so it's might, not just about him and it's not just about so. keeping the family together. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you're left to draw your own conclusions. Perhaps because uh, the son had cerebral palsy, he had to kind of take a, a more solid, reliable job. Um, and so yes. being a, a, a uh, teacher was that. One thing I did find with the show, because the, the plot, at least in the first three episodes, the plot just goes immediately from episode to episode. There's no real sort of gap between the episodes. And yet, it's such a kind of... 
oh, it's sort of like a dense kind of show. I couldn't. I watched the second and third episodes together, and I really shouldn't have because I couldn't focus too much on the third one. I found that it's a much better show to watch in small. Oh, I watched six and seven today. Did you? I just awesome. couldn't. Yeah, I, I, I felt this is a show I would like to watch once a week. Yeah, you know, which is kind of funny that I kind of wanted that space between it because it is quite uh, an immersive kind of show, and I didn't want too much of it in one go, and I couldn't. And you it was time to digest it. You and, actually, and you need reflect. to watch it. You can't because you know I like to I like to do a bit of origami or some raffia work while I'm watching telly. <laughs> and um, with this, I, I, I you know I had to to give it my entire concentration. Quite interesting, um, because it, this is this was a series that wasn't scared to to let the camera roll through mm. the silence, through nothing happening, through... So it was very naturalistic and, and very unlike, you know, rapid-fire, wise-ass It's type. quite Sundance so, filmy, Aaron Sorkin-type yeah. script writing and, and direction. Um, and, and there's a shot... And that, that silence that's allowed to be depicted causes more and more and more tension to, to build and build. Also, New Mexico's shown as such a bleak environment. It's Everything's flat and open and, and strange empty glass boxes of buildings. And, yeah, which, it's very In the city, strange. and then they spend a lot of time out in the desert in the RV. So, so mm. they've got the RV so they can set up a meth lab and it's mobile and they can take it away from everywhere else and, and nobody will know. Um, and so <clears throat> in those scenes, I was actually reminded quite a bit uh, by the landscape and by the the pace of it of Paris, Texas. Yes, I was going to say before it's a very Sundance film kind of look to it. There's a scene where he sits by a swimming pool, I think, in one of the first episodes, and just thinks, lighting matches and flicking. Yeah, them in. and it's just an amazing. As dawn was thing breaking. to watch. It's a bit Gus Van Santy as well, actually. But it's funny. Oh, oh. all the references though. Don't, don't knock it. <laughs> all the references though. It's it's funny. It's all film references. You're not going to compare this to another TV show. You know, you can go to go. There are elements of those sort of HBO style Sopranos, Six Feet Under kind of shows, but this is much more like a film on television once a week, in a good way. Which I think it's a great thing. I was really impressed. It's like a that seven hour film over seven weeks. Yeah, I was. I was um, really impressed. And and very unfortunately, this this uh, was hit by the writers' strike. Um, so it is a seven episode series. The first one. Um, and at the end of the seventh episode, it's not like a series finale at all. But there is a second series already, isn't there? There is a second series that's currently screening in the US. Okay. So, look, I'd say thumbs up it's, for Breaking Bad. It's intense. It's amazing. It's fantastic TV. Check it out. Hi, this is Jane Padlow. You're listening to Box Cutters. Very weak. Oh, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Jane Padlow. You're listening to Box Cutters. I was just saying that Jane gets in every week, doesn't she? Not every she week. Pokes her head around the door and says, "And hey, you sexy boys from Box Cutters." Well, I I thought specifically this week that uh, I would play the one just sounding sexy and saying hi uh, because we're not all sexy boys because we have the lovely Queen Josie with us who's uh, a sexy lady. lady. Yes. I was really a boy once but now I'm a lady. Yeah, oh. you passed though. It's quite convincing. Yeah, that you explains reckon it's the Adam's yeah. apple. The back and yeah, shoulder hair. Yeah, a lot of necklace. choker action. Yeah. A lot of choker action. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, Brett. Sorry, Brett. What were you... <laughs> Sorry. That we... explains the, the back and shoulder hair. I, I thought the listeners would have picked yeah, up on it's, that. It's the, you it's guys were lost in each other's eyes. And, we uh, were. Lost, it's easy to do. Lost in love. <laughs> and but I Josie, this is your of... segment. 
It is my segment. Hi, how you going? What have you been watching, Josie? What, what's, what's working porn. for your oh, television? Your um, besides porn, that um, you porn, I'm on there. Um, I've been watching a bit of So Think You Can Dance, not get into it this year. Don't know why. Are sort you, of do like. You, do you have dance roots? Do I have dance roots? Yes, I do the Queen Josie dance roots. Your mind's in the gutter. In I, the gutter, I, it's in truth. So, so you've got a history with dance. I've got a history with dance of watching it, yes. And and doing some of it on the telly. You did dance yes. every week on, on your own show. Amazing, amazing and dance. And Ellen ripped it off. You bitch. I know, I started off the flagship. Now she gets in there, but she's Anglo dancing. I do my dance, which is just She's kind sexy, of embarrassing horny. to watch, whereas Josie... I'm not embarrassing to amazing. watch. You know, I had people writing saying they're inspired. They get off by watching me dance. Fantastic. Now, so you think you can dance. In my head, that's always, so you think you want to punch me in the face. Because I do. I hate those people. And I always have hated them. How can you, how can you determine one season from another? Like, like well, why is this one not grabbing you, you know in a what? way that... I've been following it for about three years. I started watching the US series and loved it. Whether the panel's just more endearing or whatever. So I watched the two US series. Really got into last year's Australian version. Loved it. Loved Jason Coleman. Loved Matt Lee. Loved Bonnie. Loved Nat. This year, can't get into it. This year, I said them make me angry. I don't know whether dancers are not interested. Like they're much better caliber of dancers. They're just their stories don't interest me. And we watched their bios twice. Okay, we get it. We got it. You're from Dubbo. All right, no worries. You know, we get it. We got it. You were a cheerleader. So no problem. It's is, just is, not. Is it's not doing it for me now. Do you think all of uh, Australia's best dancers put in for the first uh, series, and now we've just got the dross? Flying? I don't know I, because I think this season we've got much better quality dancers. Because last year there's some people that seeped through the cracks that shouldn't have ever got that far. But the show is just not like last night. I couldn't be bothered. I flicked it over sixty minutes watching Liam Bartler talk about something uninteresting and 60 minutes have been for the past seven years but it just didn't grab me whatsoever and it's a shame because i really want to be there i really want to enjoy it and i used to do my whole reality show wednesday night was america's next top model and then i used to have you know top chef and all those sorts of things now just don't care now I just can't get into this dance thing anymore. I don't know. I always think with the dance thing too, the, the weird thing is you can understand Australian Idol or, or pop stars or whatever, those, you can go on and be famous and have hits. Yes. You know. Yeah. So you think you can dance. It's like, so you can now stand in the background with and seven no, other yeah, people and yes, do the same thing. You know, it's like, what, and, what's the end result? And you could get Jason Common going, for people that don't understand our world, it's like, you're not curing diseases. What you are is a dancer. As he said, in a line of seven people, like I went to see Wicked on Saturday night. And I was thinking, just as what you said, John. Well, that, that's probably the, the line-up of that, last year, isn't line it? Up, that's <laughs> the line-up of like, I'm looking at these people and I'm going, because Rob Mills is in it from Australian Idol season one. And Anthony Kalia was in it, you know. So when I was looking at it, I'm thinking, as you said, what's their big prize? Well, now you're going to be the 12th in line in the cast of Wicked. You know, whereas, you know, the guy from Australian Idol got $200,000 in his fund and he's released an album. But this year they reckon they can go and dance on So Think You Can Dance in the US and be seen by millions of people. So they're going to have a one-minute segment showcasing this Is stuff. that actually the prize? Is that that's, the- a, that's one of the prizes, plus $200,000, plus this. And, and, but Jason Coleman, for those that don't understand our world... You're really starting to come into it. It's like it's it's the them versus us. It's like no, dude. What it is is you know you've got fancy names for high kicks, like and and holding your back straight. Your staccato, your this that. It's like dude, 
speak our language. My, my knowledge of the show is basically the ads, and all I've ever seen is is you know the, the clips with lots of reverb on them and, and people you know crying. And there's always the person going, tonight you transcended life. You know, <laughs> do they? And, and the worst, they go. Like what spiritual experience? <laughs> do they do they also kind of use those camera tricks like in uh, Australian Idol yes. and in Australia's Got Talent? Yeah, um, that's you know they they kind of tilt them and that's it's right. all over the place. Well, I think they probably you can't feel- actually focus on that's what's right. going on. And I think they film it a couple of times because the show isn't live; it's recorded the Friday night to be played on the Sunday. So I'm sure they record the dancing. You know, probably get them to do it twice so they can get the camera angles because the way it's cut together, as you said, it goes so fast. You know, and it has probably you more. Can't actually- Concentrate on you anything can't that's concentrate. happening. So, you know, if someone's got a bad step or whatever. But as you said, John, they transcend me to the earth and to the, you know, you really grab me. Because sometimes I'm I'm watching these people and I go, gee, that's a shit way they're dancing. They don't dance like me. They're just, and I'm watching them going, God, they're going to get slammed. And there's Jason Common wiping a tear going, if people can obviously see me on the podcast. He's wiping a tear going, I felt that in my heart, and I haven't felt like that since I saw Swan Lake in 75, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of that. You're going, calm down, people. You know? It's a talent show. But, <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm curious, though, Josie, what is, what is it, though, that... Because that, you're saying, yeah, you, you have really enjoyed this in the past. I and have. Now, and now you... you what, what, I mean, let's explore you. What, what are you let's missing? explore me, close off. What are, yep. you, what are you missing, then, in this... In this I don't series, know. It just think? doesn't grab me. The connection's broken. But is it just, I mean, are you over the whole dance thing? Or is it, I mean, no, is I don't a- want to be over the dancing because I, you know, I like getting one, you know, Sunday night is, you know, biggest loser night. So you think you can dance, you know, and get it ready. Now, it's just like I watch it and they go, and next comes Loretto and Gianna, who are two fantastic dancers. And why am I not caring? I don't care. Do you think maybe this, uh, this spells the, the, the death of reality I think this is TV? The, I think this is a death now. now You're calling Brett. it now? Yeah, I'm calling it now. I don't think reality TV now will last any more longer than a year or so. Because I remember when it first came out, what, back in what, 2000, 2001 with Big Brother, things like that, how huge it was, Survivor. But now they've got you know, reality shows on everything. You know, If you look at uh, websites like Star Now, it's got, have you ever slept with your wife's, um, you know, your wife's best friend, um, your father's cat? Have you done that? You know, we want to know your story. You know, have you slept with someone famous? So you're in tabloid internet is going to take over from I think so. From reality I TV. think it, that's the next level because they've already got in, you know, the UK they started with Wife Swap and then America had trading spouses and, and those shows for the first probably three, four years, I used to love it. I used to get on a syndicate with friends and we'd watch all these shows. Now I just don't care. Now it's just a, so dancers annoy me. I'm surprised that people cared for so long. Well, see, this is the thing, Brett. You know, what was so, as you were saying before, John, what was so different before to now? I don't know whether, you know, you get caught up in it or you go, wow, okay, this is something different. I love seeing the dance shows. And then with dance came, um, you know, what's it called? Dancing with the Stars. And Dancing with the Stars was phenomenally huge. Mm -hmm. And now it's not, you know. I'm still waiting for my call up. I'm an X grade celebrity. I mean, they've got every other Z grade. You well, know. Now, now the uh, the commonly winning rating sensation is is uh, probably a, a more cheaply produced reality thing uh, with uh, Border Security. Border Security, number one show. You they should, love you it. You should try and get on that, Josie. 
Border security. I want someone nice to uh, pat me down. Thanks. But celebrity border security. Celebrity border security. <laughs> I'm calling that now. I oh, say they've... Channel Nine within six months. Celebrity well, border security. Well, they've got Vince Colosimo doing, you know, customs. And, I mean, uh, he thinks he his, is, is a long. His narration is it's so like painful. Pe- it's like piss off, Vince Colosimo. He's in everything at the moment. But also, like, he knows how to talk. Why? 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 Does he seem to have lost the ability to talk in the narration for that Because he thinks he's, uh, he still thinks he's uh, Alfonso Gangitano from Underbelly. He's see a lot of these people that were in Underbelly One. I mean, I'm still waiting for my call up. However, these people that were in Underbelly One think that they've inhibited the spirit of their characters. Like Simon Westaway thinks he's Mick Gatto. He always did. He always did, and now he's walking around with that combed down grey hair. And it's like Simon Westaway. I remember when you were hot. All right. Well, Jess Pirelli, she's called it. She's called it. Reality yeah. TV's dead. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. Now, I've got to tell you, Brett, got to tell you, Josie. Yeah. This week did see the final ever episode of Battlestar Galactica. And, oh, and gee, after that's uh, a shame, not the, oh, no, the, look, it's something I've been I've been talking about for quite a while on the show. I've been watching this for five years. I got I've got the characters, you know, the metaphor, I've read all the text and look it, And that the, the episodes building up to the final episode, uh, there'd been a lot of disappointment. There have been disappointment a now, number of quarters. I'm gonna say it did finish as we expected. Richard Hatch came out of a shower, turned to Lauren Green and said, I've just had the most amazing dream. You won't imagine what happened. Did I did I see somewhere today that uh, Richard Hatch is coming out? He's actually he's in Australia for some yeah. this event. Uh, now look, that isn't how it ended, and yet sadly that would have made more sense uh, than how it actually ended. It was just what what I can't you know we can't talk here because it's spoilers. But basically, think of the worst possible ending you could ever have for a show with that much backstory Even worse and metaphor. Than it was all a dream. Even worse than it was all a dream. If it had cut wow. to the writers' room with with them all sitting around a table, and uh, Ron Moore turned the camera and went. Well, we couldn't think of anything. Thanks for coming. Oh, God. That would have been a better ending than the one we got. All right. Oh, Choose your verdict. <laughs> so five years of your life was wasted, dedicated to a show that had a shit ending. The thing is, because um, there's been a lot of discussion what? online. See, this is really interesting, John, because no. a number of other geeks, yeah. if, I, if I can no, use that, that term uh, non-derogatorily, um, have said that they really like best Series ever. ending ever. Yeah, I, I saw like, that on a couple of sites. The Twitterverse was, was a buzz with that. It was funny because I, I mostly look at the AV Club and I went on there and I was going, oh, that's a shame. That was kind of the general gist was, what a shame that didn't work. And then uh, uh, the Hessman arguments going, it does seem to boil down to, I think if you believe in God, you're more likely to enjoy the ending of the series. Midi-chlorians. But um, if you don't, you know, I don't know. It, there, there are all sorts of strange strange sort of moral issues. I might try and put a say on the blog with a big hidden bit so we don't go into any spoilers. But um, I, it did become apparent in this last series, you know, like if you read a novel, right, and you're enjoying the novel, the novel's great, you know, you're looking forward to the end, and then at the last few pages they went, we couldn't come up with anything. Novel's over. You'd be kind of annoyed. And the last ten episodes of this series, they have actually admitted they were making it up so they went along they really didn't know where they were going with a lot of the really big issues they brought up. And... Uh, it kind of showed at the end, which is a shame. 
Hmm. Still, nice acting. I'll have to uh, watch the five seasons and uh, get I, back I w- to you I would on recommend, what I yeah, if you, if you haven't started yet, do watch it all, but get to oh, the... Including the miniseries? Oh, so you do need to watch the miniseries yep. first. But get to the, the, the episode that was possibly going to be the last episode when the writer's strike happened. That's about nine episodes ago. And, and stop. don't watch anything else. <laughs> and then you can see them going... What a shame the writer strikes stopped that brilliant series, and I'll never find out about the Opera House and what was going on with Starbucks. But never mind, it was a great show. Do that. Yeah. Now, I did yeah. uh, mean to mention uh, before when I was talking about uh, Millionaire coming back. Millionaire! Uh, if you are listening to this in time before uh, the end of tomorrow night, which is Tuesday, the 24th of March, and you are keen to be a contestant, on uh, Millionaire Hot Seat, you can apply by going to 9msn.com.au slash millionaire, spelt with L's. <laughs> um, also, ABC2. Have, uh, okay. Eddie couldn't pronounce it either, though, which is kind of funny. This is why I'm saying millionaire. No, no, but I was thinking just the guy from Slumdog Millionaire. Who wants to be a millionaire? Oh, like, I can actually watch Oh, no, it's a great, look, great film. He did the same thing. And so it's just interesting that obviously the word millionaire is, is a hard word for, for many people maybe, around the world. Maybe it's part of part of the, the package that the host always has to say millionaire. Has to mispronounce the word millionaire. Yeah. It's a difficult word. <laughs> well, not really. Bridget Lee called Who Likes Toxoplasmosis. a little bit. ABC2... And, John, uh, I, I haven't mentioned this to you. You might be surprised. ABC2 have uh, slid into their schedule, snuck it in, no heroics. Oh, which we, which we didn't review. No, we haven't spoken yes, about it because you, you, we <laughs> haven't seen Beyond Episode 2. Uh, I'll show you a, remember uh, us not reviewing a while back. <laughs> it's a UK series. I can't remember who directs or created it or anything, um, but Nathan Barley is one of the characters in it. It's in a world where superheroes are commonplace. And uh, they are all quite competitive with each other, and there's lots of them, and they have a special club. And we did announce a couple of weeks ago it's being remade by the Americans. Oh, well, that's going to be crap, isn't it? But more expensive, better sets. Most likely. Um, Also, uh, for pork, and this isn't uh, strictly television, but uh, it's uh, Conroy! And his clean feed. Uh, Over this week, uh, we've seen... Websites being threatened with $11,000 per day fines for just links to websites that are on ACMA's prohibited yes, list, cur- curiously, which isn't actually public. The, um, the Australian uh, censorship of the internet, which they're trying to put through, um, actually makes Google illegal, it turns out. Strictly speaking, Google is actually illegal. Because, oh, because that would link. It links to of all course. these sites that are on the, the mysterious blacklist of what you can't well, link to, but they won't tell us what the list is. Almost as ridiculous as blacklisting uh, Google is uh, that uh, one of the prohibited sites is wikileaks.org, which is actually a human rights activism site and uh, allows anonymous posting from uh, uh, brutal dictatorship kind of regions uh, for information of what's going yeah, on. Yeah, that'll to, teach them to, to be the human able rights. to get out. Um, meanwhile, IINET, uh, your favourite ISP, John, I believe, has pulled out, you might be happy of, to of hear, the of the federal government's internet filtering trials. Uh, they only agreed to participate to demonstrate that the filter was flawed. Um, 
somebody from Ionet uh, has said, the managing director, Michael Malone, has said, uh, it became increasingly clear that the trial was not simply about restricting child pornography or other such illegal material, but a much wider range of issues, including what the government simply describes as unwanted material, without any explanation of what that includes. Um, and what, what ACMA has been coming back uh, on, on sites that they've been sent uh, inquiries on about, so is this one of your prohibited sites, uh, has, has definitely been going well beyond uh, child porn. Still, nice to know as a country we're looking forward to China as our democratic model to follow. Well done us. Um, get out there and uh, get up. I believe uh, is running a TV commercial. Get up is the uh, the kind of grassroots um, political activ- activism organism orga- organization. It's an organism. It is an organism. It's like a giant well. squid. It's like um, giant squid that didn't make it into Watchmen. So they are organizing uh, to, uh, I believe, run a TV commercial. Um, pointing out how flawed the policy over the clean feed yeah, is. Yeah, that'll fix everything. Anyway, that's all I've got for the evening. Thank you for having me in your lounge room. Oh, I think you <laughs> might. I think you might have uh, just a little more. We're gonna we're gonna sign off a little less quickly uh, than we did last week. And sorry about that. Uh, we should uh, give our thanks to Crumpler, our giveaway sponsors for providing goodies for listeners and guests. <gasps> Including our He's special guest co hosts, Josie Pirelli. Woo! Here's your little crumpler goodie. A crumpler Hold goodie. it up to the camera there. Hold it up. Do you like it? Nice. Nice. Do you like my topless attire? Hi, camera. <laughs> and uh, you can check them out online at crumpler.com.au. They make really good stuff. Does that mean they return the quiz? Soon? Yes. Right? Yes. So soon we will have, we'll have quizness. Well, it depends. John Richards, on if you <laughs> keep on organising guests. guests. Okay, yes. Yeah, because uh, we do have some guests lined up for next week. So, uh, yeah, quiz won't be back next week. They'll be just prezzies for our guests. Um, also, thanks to the best radio station in the world, 3RRR. You can listen to it in Melbourne on the FM band at 102.7 or anywhere Streamed. else in the world. Streamed and uh, get a lot more info at rrr.org.au. If you enjoyed this podcast... And why wouldn't you? This is like I've written it down from somebody else. <laughs> I know, it's bizarre. It? It's like you're channeling Josh Canal. Um, the iTunes store always uh, accepts reviews from registered users. And uh, if you've liked it, put up a review and tell everybody else about it. Uh, it will help others it. to find it. Can you do Josh's Give voice? Give it to your friends. Go on, do Josh's voice. No, no. no. I'm no good at... Uh, I'm no good First at stations. No. What? <laughs> Playstations. Impersonations. Uh, impersonations. Um, no, no good at impersonations. Uh, and so it's only left to say until next week, I continue to be Brett Cropley. I'm John Richards. And I'm the sexy queen, Josie. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Woo!